the sounds of the shofar filled the chamber. Yechi Nesi Medinat Israel. Yechi, Yechi, Yechi. Long may the President of the State of Israel live. Long may he live. Long may he live. Long may he live. This may sound like a ceremony that would have happened in ancient history, but crazy enough, this audio recording is not from 2,000 years ago, obviously. It's from the inauguration of Yitzhak Herzog, often referred to by his nickname Buji, as Israel's 11th president just two short weeks ago. The Israeli presidential inauguration ceremony is modeled after Shlomo HaMelech or King Solomon's coronation. When the priest anointed Solomon, a shofar was sounded and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon! Hi, I'm Avi Posen. And I'm Sarah Himmelis. Although the modern state of Israel does not have a king, the Israeli president does have a few things in common with royalty. Because like most monarchies today, the role is largely ceremonial and has limited political power. With Herzog's inauguration, we're unpacking who is Yitzhak Herzog and what kind of power does an Israeli president have? And what legacy is former President Reuven Rivlin leaving behind? Many have said that Herzog is as close to Israeli royalty as it gets. His family is even sometimes referred to as Israel's version of the Kennedys. His father, Chaim Herzog, was the sixth president of Israel, and his grandfather, Rabbi Yitzchak Herzog, his namesake of course, was Israel's first Ashkenazi chief rabbi. His uncle, Abba Ibn, was Israel's iconic foreign minister and ambassador to the United States and the UN. We'll dig into more of Herzog's background, which is an interesting one, but first, let's unpack the job of an Israeli president. So every nation has a head of state, a symbolic leader who represents the nation, but who does not exercise executive or policy-making power. In the U.S. system, the president serves as both the head of state and head of government. But in many other countries, these roles are separated. In the U.K., for example, Prime Minister Boris Johnson is the head of government, while Queen Elizabeth II is the head of state. The head of government holds executive authority and is responsible for running the government, and this person is usually called the prime minister, whereas the head of state may take the form of either a hereditary monarch or an elected president, like our friend Yitzhak Herzog. According to Paul Kubitschek, a political science professor at Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan, one of the roles of a head of state is to personify the state itself. In his book, European Politics, Kubitschek recalled former French President Charles de Gaulle's statement that a head of state should embody, and I'll try to pronounce this correctly, l'esprit de la nation, or the spirit of the nation. Kubitschek explained, quote, the head of state is a living symbol, and in this role, he or she is removed from day-to-day -day political squabbles. Americans might think of this as the office of the president versus the actual person of the president. The office of the head of state can be thought of mainly as a symbolic or effective power that is designed to unite all of the people of the country. According to gov.il, 
the Israeli government website, the president acts as a symbol of national unity that represents the core values of the state. The presidents who are elected are usually people of excellent character who contributed to the Zionist endeavor and to the state and are well-liked by all sectors of Israel's population. Many of the world's Jews regard the president not only as the president of the state of Israel, but also as the president of the Jewish people. The Israeli Supreme Court describes the office of the presidency this way, quote, the president represents the state and its moral and democratic values. His status is that of a nonpartisan representative of the country who symbolizes the characteristics that connect and unify the various segments of Israeli society. In his personality, he is to reflect the good, proper, moral, and unique characteristics of Israel's population. He is to serve as a model and an example in the fulfillment of his duties as well as in his personal conduct." End quote. Even though Israel's president is mostly a ceremonial role, it includes limited political powers such as the ability to pardon people and reduce the sentences of convicted individuals. The president also plays a key role in determining which Knesset member gets the mandate to form a government following elections, something we've seen a lot of over the last couple of years. And the president's ceremonial duties include signing every law, except those pertaining to the president's powers, ceremonially appointing the prime minister, and confirming and endorsing the credentials of ambassadors. The Knesset elects presidents to serve for a single seven-year term. Israel's first president was the Zionist leader Chaim Weizmann, who tasked Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion with forming the first government. Here's a fun fact. When Weizmann died in 1952, Israel asked Albert Einstein if he would serve as the next president and relocate to Israel. Einstein turned down the offer, stating, I am deeply moved by the offer and at once saddened and ashamed that I cannot accept it. All my life I have dealt with objective matters, hence I lack both the natural aptitude and the experience to deal properly with people and to exercise official functions. So who is Yitzhak Herzog? Herzog was first elected to the Knesset in 2003 as a member of the Labour Party. He held ministerial positions including housing, tourism, and welfare. In 2015, he ran for prime minister as the Labour Party candidate, but was beaten out by Netanyahu's Likud party. More recently, he served as the chairman of the Jewish Agency, which works to build connections between Jews across the globe and Israel. In an interview with Jay Sanderson, the president and CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater Los Angeles, Herzog said that one of the most profound Jewish moments of his life was when he watched his father deliver a speech on live television to the UN General Assembly in 1975, rejecting the UN's resolution equating Zionism with racism. In the powerful speech, Chaim Herzog, who was then Israel's ambassador to the UN, said, The issue is not Israel or Zionism. The issue is the continued existence of this organization which has been dragged to its lowest point of discredit by a coalition of despotisms and racists. The vote of each delegation will record in history 
its country's stand on anti-Semitic racism and anti-Judaism. By the way, if you want to hear more about this resolution, stay tuned for the next season of Unpacking Israeli History, another Unpacked podcast. An episode about this UN resolution will be coming out really soon. So subscribe to Unpacking Israeli History wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss it. Smooth plug, Avi. Anyway, our Herzog was born on September 22, 1960 in Tel Aviv. When he was a teenager, his family moved to New York City, where I am right now, where he attended the Orthodox Ramah school and spent summers at Camp Ramah. He returned to Israel when he was 18 and enlisted in the IDF serving as an intelligence officer. Following his army service, he studied law at Tel Aviv University. In an interview last year with David Harris, CEO of the American Jewish Committee, Herzog said his time living in New York City helped him understand what it is to be Jewish abroad and inspired him to bring the two communities closer. Herzog said, I am adamant about the need to be a bridge between Israel and the Jewish people and to keep this bridge going because I think it's a clear need of the Jewish people to do whatever they can not to split. Herzog was elected president in early June in a Knesset vote of 87 to 26 over Miriam Peretz, an educator who lost two sons in Israel's wars. Herzog received more votes than any other presidential candidate in Israeli history, winning support from both the political right and left. In his inauguration speech, Herzog pledged to be a president for everyone and to change the tone, to lower the flames, of the country's intense rhetoric. Quote, baseless hatred, polarization, and division are exacting a heavy price, he said. The heaviest price is the erosion of our national resilience. My mission, the goal of my presidency, is to do everything to rebuild hope. Herzog wasn't the only one concerned about the rhetoric splitting the nation of Israel. In a speech following Herzog's swearing-in, outgoing President Reuven Rivlin underscored that the Jewish state is not something to be taken for granted and urged Israelis to overcome their differences. He added, We will prevail only if we know how to embrace complexity, if we know how to hold that tension, finding within it the balances and compromises. Only then will we be able to preserve this miracle, our home. The idea that Israel's diverse society must find ways to come together was a theme of Rivlin's presidency. He will perhaps be most remembered for his Four Tribes speech at the 2015 Herzliya Conference, in which he argued that Israeli society is split into four distinct communities secular, religious, Haredi, and Arab. He urged Israelis to look bravely at this reality, arguing that all four tribes are here to stay. Rather than be cajoled into sectarianism and separation, Rivlin implored the different communities to find common ground as Israelis. Israelis had a range of reactions to the speech. 
Some commentators applauded Rivlin for acknowledging the real face of Israel and promoting partnership between its diverse groups. But others argued that Rivlin's division of the country into four categories was an oversimplification. On a recent episode of TLV1's The Promise podcast, Noah Efron, a professor at Bar Ilan University, argued that the four tribes that Rivlin outlined bleed into each other in a million ways. There aren't four tribes, there are 50 tribes that interact in all sorts of different ways. As a former Knesset member in the right-wing Likud party, Rivlin supported the idea of a greater Israel, one Jewish state from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. However, he also believed that everyone living under Israeli sovereignty should have total and equal rights. One of the criticisms Rivlin often received was that his vision of a one-state solution for Israelis and Palestinians as fully equal citizens was impossible to achieve in practice. Rivlin himself acknowledged that this wasn't a realistic solution, but was a utopian vision for the future. In a piece about Rivlin's legacy, the Jerusalem Post editorial board wrote, quote, During the last seven years, Rivlin has earned the respect of most Israelis, Jews in the diaspora, and foreigners and leaves office as a beloved leader who played the role of Israel's grandfather as a wise and responsible figure. Rivlin proved that he had the ability to listen, learn, and repair. He generally succeeded in putting himself above politics during his term as president. So Ruby, if you're listening, thank you for your years of service to Israel and the Jewish people. And Bougie, if you're listening, we're wishing you lots of success and that you continue the legacy of many great Israeli presidents who came before you. Thanks for listening. This episode was hosted by me, Sarah Himmelis. And me, Avi Posen. This Week Unpacked is a production of Unpacked, division of Open Door Media. Make sure you don't miss future episodes by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the pod, rate and review This Week Unpacked and share it with others. We'd love to hear what you think. Shoot us an email at podcast at jewishunpacked.com. Also, check out jewishunpacked.com for everything Unpacked related. And subscribe to our other podcasts there too. I want to specifically recommend Nice Jewish Girls, where every week our colleague Julia interviews another awesome, powerful Jewish woman. It's been really cool getting to know these women and hearing all of the exciting ways that they connect to their Judaism. And I think you'll love it. Check it out and let us know what you think. And follow Unpacked on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Just look for at Jewish Unpacked. This episode was edited by Avi Posen and John Kunza, audio engineered by Rob Para, and written by me. Rifki Stern is our producer, and Noah Meisman is the executive producer of This Week Unpacked. This episode was sponsored by the Jewish Federation of Broward County. Thank you for listening. See you next week.